This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the show. This is, of course, your host, David Scales. I'm bringing you an episode today with um, notable surf writer Chaz Smith. You know Chaz as the co-founder of BeachGrit.com. He also wrote a book a number of years, I mean, maybe three years ago called Welcome to Paradise, Now Go to Hell. He actually has a new book coming out called Cocaine Plus Surfing, A Love Story. Um, So we discussed that in this episode. We discuss basically all the gossip that takes place over on Beach Grit. That is the purpose of this episode, to tease apart the comments section and some of the stories that take place over there and get into it beyond just black and white text on your screen. So we cover um, the blood feud, most recent blood feud between Reno Abalera and Matt Warshaw, discuss the state of women surfing. Um luke davis's hair color all sorts of stuff so enjoy the episode you can find everything that Chaz and i discuss on surf and then of course make sure just to spend your time over on beachgrit.com Chaz and i plan to get together in the future much more frequently so um send your feedback about this episode and we'll implement it in future episodes all right a couple final notes you can support Surf Splendor in two ways. Make a donation, uh, throw a couple of shekels in the bucket. That helps the show to stay alive. And then also, just rate and review the show on iTunes and then share the show with friends. The more listeners we have, the more we will be able to attract radical guests like Chaz himself to uh, spread their influence on this show. All right? So thanks for doing that. So without further ado, this is David Scales getting Chaz to give me the grit. Enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off.
is the third time we've recorded together. First time you had just released your book. And um, welcome to paradise. Now go to hell. Give that a plug. And so it was much more like a long form interview. And then last time was with Derek. And so it was a little bit more just like talking about what's happening in the world of surfing as a reflection of your guys' website, Beach Grit. I realize the only value you have to me now is as a gossip column. <laughs> like, I want to be here to gossip with you. I don't want to interview you anymore. Let's just gossip. That's dude. perfect. That's all I care about anymore anyway. Yeah, perfect. Because I know you and I are both scrolling Instagram all day, every day, just like trying to figure out who's, day to, who's Dion Aegeus sleeping with and who's what's Kelly. When's he going to retire? And is he going to like accidentally reveal that in the subtext of a post? And so we're scrolling that. That's what I want to talk to you about. That's what, when I interview surfboard shapers, they don't care about it. Yeah, no. I think, yeah. does anybody care about it? I don't know. You and I do. <laughs> I mean, totally. I completely do. I love surf gossip. I would think readers of beach grid do yeah right i mean sure yeah i think they care about there it there you go yeah so let's spill it dude give me the grit what is the grit do you um, have anything i'm i got i've got little right in terms now. of gossip yeah what do you Shoot. got if you can if you tee me off maybe i've got something okay i'll give you a, a big one and you're welcome to dodge this yeah even though listeners will judge you for dodging yep, yep. um what's up with owen right missing last year and is there a backstory there that we're not aware of? The story is, of course, head trauma from duck diving, but we've never heard of somebody having head trauma from duck diving before. See, so that, I guess that's my issue right there, right? I mean, there's a lot of rumors that are swirling that that uh, don't serve anybody to bring up. You know, I've tried to chase some of them down and, and will continue to try or am continuing to try to get to the bottom of it. But to me, the bigger thing, the bigger issue is, okay, so the, the WSL's, you know, and Rip Curl, for that matter, their statement was head trauma from duck diving. And then the whole thing has been real zip-lipped after that. Like, if it was that, I don't understand why they don't release medical records and why there's not a, a bigger conversation about the dangers of surfing, right? Because if, if we're out there or if the WSL, you know, if the athletes are out there and there's potential for brain trauma from a duck dive, which, like, I think I... I think when I write about it, I, I write about it like it's ludicrous, but maybe it's not ludicrous, right? Maybe this is a genuinely, a, a genuine thing that could possibly, probably, you know, maybe happen. Yeah. But so where's the conversation about it? And to me, the fact that nobody is having a conversation about it and everyone thinks that when I go around looking for, for truth, as it were, in this matter, people think I'm looking for nefarious things. Um, and if, uh, again, if there was some, if there was some other cause for his head trauma than a duck dive, great. Okay, we can talk about that. And and to me, it wouldn't, whatever that was, it wouldn't diminish the fact that he has come back. Uh, you know that he was, from all accounts and and from everything I saw, having trouble walking and having trouble paddling and things like that. To being, you know, a year later back at the top of his game. So it's an amazing story, no matter what the cause was. If the cause really is what was purported. I don't. Where's the medical records that back that up? And can, why can't we have a conversation about about the you know the, the the dangers of head trauma and duck diving and surfing? Like why is it, nobody's willing to have that conversation? Which is totally strange to me. It is very strange. I understand the not releasing medical records. I guess because um, I don't know. It's just weird. Like it almost validates 
it somehow plays into a conspiracy. Yeah, but you a but you knock bit. but but you knock the conspiracy out right away when you when you present. I mean, if people are whispering, right? And if you don't care, then you don't care, and maybe nobody cares, and they're happy to, you know, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't much matter. But again, I don't want to see the medical records either, just just for some kind of for some kind of creepy gossipy way like i'm really curious i genuinely curious what a you know potentially what a duck dive does to the human brain yeah I mean, isn't that interesting to you it's fascinating yeah like because what you know there is a lot of force right i mean there's a lot of yeah. stuff happening there's a lot of stuff moving around i've never heard of, uh, about it happening you never have i don't think there's any recorded thing in <laughs> surf history but of this but it doesn't that doesn't I, mean it didn't happen you know because it's no. like there's obviously even in the nfl and like they're just now getting around to measuring those things and see and that's a hundred percent i guess my frustration and point is like and again i get that i'm a muckraker and so people think that i'm automatically raking muck when i when i start asking questions about stuff and so they'll shut down and be like uh, you know it's just rude you're i mean i think that the people who have talked to me about it will um they'll speak to me like i'm like i'm kicking a guy you know making fun of a guy who just died or something like that and and like, there's none of I, I want none of that. I like it's all fine if there's if there's some muck there, then sure let, let's rake it up. But really and genuinely, the concussion thing in the NFL, you would have thought that you know from day one these guys are running around hitting each other with their heads, that people would have known about it, et cetera, et cetera. But it literally just came out two year within the last two years, uh, and the whatever, what's it called? What's the thing called that makes people commit suicide and? Yeah, the whatever the, that specific brain trauma, right? All of this stuff has just just been revealed, and so if Owen genuinely had this thing that happened to him, right? And uh, Rip Curl and the WSL is keeping it under wraps because they they don't want to, they think there's some kind of conspiracy or or something. Then I just like to me it behooves them, both the WSL and Rip Curl, to deal with this really seriously. If that's what you said happened. Uh, if that's the truth that he that he had brain damage from a duck dive, then it behooves both Rip Curl and the WSL to make as much information available, you know, as much information as they can widely available, so that real people can have a discussion. The fact that there's no discussion, no discussion, zero discussion, other than, wow, isn't this a miracle? Isn't this great that he's winning? Yeah. Is is like not only is it absurd to me, it's dangerous. It is irresponsible, for sure, if that's the truth. And then that dovetails with the fact that um, the surf industry generally avoids risky conversations like the Andy Iron story and all that sort of stuff. And the big companies that are sponsoring these athletes cover up, actually, details. So there's that, you know. Um, I feel like Beach Grip might be the first source that the just general public has for uncovering some of those things other than maybe like a message board on the back end of Surfer Magazine or something. So I had somebody tell me uh, recently that uh, nobody wants, you know, specifically about the Owen story and and the person told me uh, nobody's going to give you anything because nobody wants Beach Grit to break the story, right? Where I think that the general perception of Beach Grit, of course, that we, you know, foster by, as Derek says, tap dancing, uh, with our headlines and you know having I think generally having a good time uh, is that 
like you know nobody's gonna nobody's gonna help us out nobody's gonna nobody's gonna treat me like a proper investigative journalist in this one even though that's what i really was i was i tried i tried really really hard to get to the bottom of this and i'm still trying but uh yeah that that beach grit in and of how it looks and how it feels and what it is is an impediment to actually getting real truth out because yeah people are just yeah like you said the servant industry is afraid well okay then my counterpoint to that is so much of the surf media that i consume nowadays is in the comments section actually and it's not necessarily even the article itself and i feel like that allows me to take the pulse of what's happening in the general public much more quickly and I would say even more truthfully than anything that a magazine's putting out or even than the website itself is publishing. One hundred I mean, I agree with you one hundred percent. Like I uh and I think we're real lucky at Beach Grit to have the comment section that we do have. I think it's, I mean, we have exceptional people in there. And I don't know who lots of them are. But, yeah, just the the dialogue, I think, is, you know, is funny and fun. But it's also oftentimes very informed. Um, and, yeah, people are people are kicking interesting interesting things around. Well, there's, so there are a lot of anonymous commentators. But there's also Nick Carroll. Sure. And there's Maurice Cole. Sure. And, and um so there's kind of legitimate insiders in the surf industry, and then the anonymous ones are largely insiders in the industry as well who'd rather not be named. But, I mean, it truly – so what I'm saying is with the Owen story, they're like, hey, nobody wants to break the story on Beach Grit. Well, hey, guess what? Yeah. They're going to. It yeah. just will be in the comments section. So you might as well control some of the story, um, assuming there's a story to break, by the way. This is all alleged, of course, and we haven't even said what the alleged thing is. Sure. But but uh, but even – to me, even if the story, though, is – like it just it's just never been properly dealt with, right? There's been two versions of what happened. The WSL had one, and then they changed their version. Uh, like, Can you say what – was and what they changed i mean there was one i I can't really remember offhand but there was something about what owen like just the order of events as it happened right like owen came up and he either went to sleep or he went straight to the hospital or something there was but there's a pretty big discrepancy in in the order of events uh as it played out you know right after it happened and again i'm not suggesting anything untoward uh but i'm also wondering why like I mean, that's serious, right? To allege that you have not that he hit his head on the reef, not that he hit his head on the board, because the the alleged uh, the statement was that he it was from duck diving, right? Mm-hmm. So the exact story that I remember hearing was it was before Pipe Masters last year in December, and he actually got three unbelievable waves at Pipe that day. There's video footage of it. He's wearing the tank top, short spring suit, yeah, blue it's three insane ones and it was like it was a big day but it was kind of unruly so it wasn't perfect and he was ruling it out there he got three insane ones and then on his way back out was duck diving and got like flogged on a couple went back to the rib curl house took a nap wilkinson woke him up at some point and was just like or maybe he woke up and wilco was in the kitchen he's like dude he you look Dazed and delirious. Let's get you to a hospital. Yeah, that was the story. Yeah, and so, but again, like if if they would have just said if there were or if the if the statement that would have been released was just said he hit his head on his board or he hit his head on the reef, then there's no you know what, yeah. uh, there's no question uh, or, or there's nowhere really to go from there. But the duck dive, the duck dive thing to me is where okay, the, there's and again not to not to to be suggesting anything yeah nefarious, but just 
if that's the truth, well, okay, how many times has that happened? Is this a real thing? Is there a way to prevent this? If this is a real thing, you know, are the surfers? And I think when I ride it on Beach Grid, sometimes I sound jokey. Like I think I said, we need to do the own right helmet rule, right? Where, yeah. where all the surfers, if, if this is true, uh, and the WSL is sending these guys out to, you know, I mean, how many of the breaks are big, you know, fairly aggressive, shallow, shallow breaks, you know, from cloud break to Chopu pipe, of course. Um, and the WSL is, is rolling these guys out there, you know, is the WSL, it's, should they be, should they be actually looking at this? If yeah. this is what they said happened officially, uh, shouldn't they be looking at this and make sure that, you know, how, how can we prevent this from happening again or, or what, you know, I don't know. There's just, and there's zero discussion, no discussion, not a little bit, zero. I, I'd like to rename it, not the Owen Wright helmet rule, but the Tom Carroll yeah. helmet rule. Oh, it'd be so beautiful. Or Liam and McNamara, maybe. And their gaths out there. <laughs> exactly. Hot pink gaths. Yeah, gaths can make a big comeback. His gaths still in business. They've got to be, right? Sure. Yeah, the... the uh, they sell three helmets a year, probably. No, the, the kids... Well, the What's her name? The awesome Australian girl... Oh, the, Sally. Sa- Saber. Saber Norris. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Saber Norris and all her siblings, I think they're gas, but they're, their folks make them wear helmets every time they surf. Really? I'm pretty sure they're gas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so they're still in biz. Um, so the comment section not only is liable, likely to release information like that, and like that's kind of, like I said, where I could take a pulse of the general public, it'll also tell me what the general public thinks of Luke Davis's latest hair color. Yeah. <laughs> and what they thought of Adriano making the final and winning in Rio. Like, all of it. It totally. covers the gamut, you know? Which which are your favorite... Uh, um, Commentators? Co- or, or message boards to read. Like, do you do you read more than one? Yeah. Um, Stab, I read, and Beach Grip, for sure. Um, um, I don't know. I think Beach Grip probably gives me the most information. The, I mean, because Stab hid their comments. Or, I mean, you have to go through the extra step, right? You have to click on the comments for it to open up. Which I wonder. Yeah, and even then, on certain articles, they don't even allow comments. Yeah. I think it's kind of the advertorial yeah. articles that they don't allow comments on. Um, okay, transition topics off Owen, but this actually relates to Owen. It's a theory that dawned on me recently. Again, relates to Owen. Remember um, the white wetsuit? Yeah. Kelly Slater wore a bit. Yeah. Kaloe Ward a little bit. The thing's like a superhero costume. Yeah. And it's like, whoever's wearing that thing rips. And like, I don't own one, but I feel like if I put one on, you I would rip. then do an air, a 360 or something. Right? Yeah. So my new theory is, does blonde hair make you rip? We've got Ace Bucken made the final. Yeah. We've got... Um, Owen, John John Florence, Luke Davis, Mick Fanning, Stephanie Gilmore. I'm looking at all these guys. I'm going, they all have one common denominator. You know, that's really true. And I will say, you know, unless you're Brazilian, but of the Caucasians, is there any? Joel Parkinson has fallen off, right? He's not doing too good. Kelly's brunette. blowing it. Kelly's blowing it. Bru- would be a brunette. Would uh, be. Who else, is the, who else is, even has brown hair of the, of the Caucasian surfers? All the crappy ones. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so get blonde. I'm. That's what I'm asking you. You have yeah, blonde hair, so I do. I'm like, dude, I rip. 
Kind of. Obviously, you I must. Ripped, I ripped this morning. Yeah, out there of you D go. Street. I was getting it. So I'm going to stop by my stylist on the way yeah, home. Yeah, get a blonde. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going perfect. For it, dude. Um, my favorite section or my favorite recurring series on Beach Grade is Blood Feud. Oh, yeah. You need more Blood Feud. I know. Dude. And see, okay, so we, we had a bunch at the start. Uh, and now we'll use Blood Feud generally when it's like real serious. Like, so I, th- I feel we were, weren't overusing it. Uh, but I, the ones we've had lately, like Matt Warshaw versus Reno, Blood Feud, to me, that was abs- That was like epic writing right there. And it's still going. Yeah, right? no, no. Reno, yeah, Reno wrote a letter to Derek, uh, which was amazing. And then Derek published it, yeah. which I dig. Yeah. I mean, all that, see, that's one of, to me, that's the. There's a lot of fun things about Beach Grid, I think. Personally, I'm biased. But yeah. one of the funner things is there's honestly no back room. There's no closed door. It's like anything we get goes up online. Any conversation I have with anybody from Zach Weisberg to anyone to Derek, you know, like our infighting will write about. Which, yeah, yeah it's in the surf industry that where there's back room after back room after back room after back room. To me, it's a Beach Grid is a breath of fresh air in that what I know is... is you know, what I know that's not going to get me sued uh, is upfront. So, break down that Reno Matt Warshaw argument real quick, if you can. I mean, there's so Reno, famous surfer from the 70s, 60s. Reno Avalara. Yeah. And Hawaiian Shaper. Guy, amazing. Um, he was frustrated, I guess, about his encyclopedia of surfing uh, entry and so teed off on Matt on Instagram. Um, and then, yeah. It was a long, a long tee off, real mad. But it, and it was questioning it was Warshaw's um, research. Basically, it was questioning his research, and and specifically, if I recall, to to the fact that Reno's dad, Matt, I think, in the Encyclopedia of Surfing, said Reno's dad died in a bar fight in a Honolulu bar, and Reno was really mad and said that no, he did not. He died at a pool house. There's something like so a fine, de- very minor detail, which is funny, funny, funny to me, because it's a real surf thing, I think, and maybe a Hawaiian thing too. Is they'll get so people will get so mad at the smallest, like it was totally negligible. It, like, it was. He died in a in a Reno's dad died in a kind of underworld scuffle, right? I mean, well, so yes, yes, and the way that Warshaw worded it was like. He was the um, strong arm for the local bar or whatever. Yeah. And then Reno's argument back was like, that's not true at all. He worked in the underworld. and it yeah. was So it's like Reno's arguing, yeah, he did die, and it was underworld and seedy. It's just slightly different. It was to- it's totally weird. how And, and part, of, part of it makes me, I mean, God bless Matt Warshaw, because I would not want his job ever. Uh, but, you know, surfers, I think, the, the oral history that surfers have, I think they'll just go crazy on it. Where it's, okay, come on. It's all the same thing here, you know. Like, the point, the point is exactly the same thing. Your, di- your dad died, uh, you know, in Honolulu in a, in a kind of a seedy slash interesting way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's the, some of the bigger arguments I've had in surf or with surf people have been just over weird minutia that I wrote. Like, I never wrote a single fin. I never. Exactly. Like, so I thought that Reno was going to attack Matt for defaming the yeah. honor of his dad, but that really wasn't no. what it was at all. Zero. It was that Matt got his, Matt got his research wrong. And then, I, you know, I don't know why else Reno was mad. It seemed like he had a lot of pent-up anger or frustration. And maybe, 
it's I guess it's funny kind of in surf that there's only one authoritative voice, which is Matt, Matt Warshaw's voice. He's he's taking the mantle. He's taking it on. Don't, I don't think anybody else wanted to do the amount no. of work that he has done. To you know, it's not like he. I don't. Th- I don't think he's arrogant at all about about being surfing's only historian. Right. But he is surfing's only historian. And maybe Reno or these guys gets get mad. I, I could see people getting mad, like, "Hey, you co-opted our history," even though nobody else wanted to do it to do, do Matt's work. job. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, it's so representative of so much of the way that the surf world works. And I loved Warshaw's retort. Like, obviously, Reno just blasted that out on Instagram. He didn't contact Matt and be like, hey, can you amend this? He blasted it out on Instagram. So then Matt wrote an, basically an open letter to, and posted it, sent it to you guys, and you guys posted it. And I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. And it was so classy. And he, first sentence, Reno is my top three favorite surfers in the world of all time. And then went on to lovingly, um, you know, explain why and then said and by the way when i was writing reno's bio i reached out to him five times he never returned any messages so i did my due diligence and then i cross-referenced all the facts and back-checked with eight different sources and that's how i can came up with this information basically um classy response i mean matt and matt to me is just a classy guy right like it's so easy when you get when you get a full frontal assault on you to to get defensive right away or yeah. or to you know counterpunch but Matt's lack of counterpunch and just you know stating stating both where he came to his yeah where he came to his conclusions also you know that Reno was was one of his top favorite surfers and then at the end where he says to get jumped on I can't pretend it doesn't hurt so to admit to admit that you know I think it's like I'll dance through life after times and ah whatever like you slap all you want nothing hurts right uh, for Matt to admit that it, that that had sting to me was a was a a classy move too well it was endearing yeah you know it made me kind of realize that yeah dude all of our feelings are in this a little bit I mean you know? totally and again to, to I guess to plug Matt's thing you know he just took the encyclopedia of surfing put it behind a paywall so now you yeah I mean he he's been doing. God's work, or maybe Satan's work, for uh, <laughs> for so long now. And to me, I love I love the fact that he's. I love the personally. I love the fact that it's off Surfer now. Uh, that Surfer's not no longer the kind of gateway to the history of surfing. Yeah. Which to me, it seems silly that that they would let that go. But in letting that go, the fact that it's now ours and not you know beach grits, but it's all of ours together as long as you just pay your three bucks right to me is is a beautiful thing when you're hiring for a small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role and there's no faster or effective way than through linkedin jobs your time and capital are precious and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So that's, we should mention that to listeners, it's $3 monthly subscription. Yep, and you get the entire encyclopedia of surfing, the entire history of surfing, and the long-form interview one. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. It's, it's silly. It is, yeah. I'm a huge fan. Um, what was Reno's most recent response to that? Did you Did you read it? I read it this morning. Did yeah. you read it? Yeah, I read it. It's, I mean, did he send it to you guys, or where did he publish that? I don't. Know, he must have sent it to Derek. He didn't okay. send it to me. Oh, it was actually addressed to Derek. It was That's at right. the top. Yes, yeah, so, but right. I don't. But maybe he put it on his Facebook or something okay. as an open letter because I think Derek referenced it as an open letter. But to me, what I was just most impressed with, like the content of what Reno said, you know, fighting over this or that or you know i don't much care it didn't it seemed like a real kind of old man you know i got mad about this stupid thing and blah blah i'm an old man off but what i was so impressed with i loved reading reno's writing it was amazing he was like a he was like some yeah i don't know it was it was just baroque and it was the like the way he mixed his pronouns and it was beautiful writing i i absolutely loved every word of it well there's a lot to criticize about it, but there was also some real poetry to it, it was, that I it totally was didn't expect. Zero. It was it was the most poetic I think I've ever read a surfer write, and I'm talking about you know writing surfers too. I mean, like yeah. from the from the journalism side too. It was absolutely I I, lo- I loved every word of it. Okay. Well, additionally. He looks crazy. Oh yeah, like that's the other detail here. Yeah. Like if, regardless of what they're fighting about, when you read Matt's thing, you're like, well, this is a very uh, reasonable statement to make and a well formulated thought. And then you read Reno's, and you're like, oh, this guy's a little bit nuts. Yeah, uh, but but like, oh, that's I, I just really I liked Matt's sober response. I liked Reno's totally. I mean, I just, I don't, I can't even find words for it. I was, I loved it's it. Tough. I loved it so much, though. His off the wall, but in a, in a genuinely, it wasn't like off the wall, poorly written. It was, right. he constructed like an almost work of art uh, for the internet, which people don't do anymore, right? Like, I mean, I'm just, the internet to me is so consumable. Yeah. Not that I don't put thought into what I write, uh, but part of the fun, the the enjoyable part is that it's so consumable. So you don't have to be, you know, everything that I put up is littered with typos and, yeah. you know, misspellings and this and that and the other thing. Because it's just meant to be, it's candy, you know, it's yeah. meant to be consumed. And Reno put up something that, that would have taken me a year to write something <laughs> as rich as what he wrote. 
See, we save the fine art for the podcast world. Charles. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I need to get into, the exactly. fine art. The exactly. fine art of podcasts. It's not candy, <laughs> dude. This is the meat and potatoes. Um, so, do you guys, I guess, this might be jumping ahead of my notes a little bit, but do you guys ever regret or feel bad about anything that you've ever posted on Beach Grip? I don't. Okay. Uh, I think, or do I? I mean, in the sense that, like, Warshaw said at the end of that like hey man i can't admit or i can't deny that this doesn't sting a little yeah. bit i feel like i don't know when you go to print on stuff or even stuff that i've published on the podcast i listen to later and i'm like mm, i wish i didn't say that a little bit it's not I'm, ever happened i'm sure i'm sure that i write stuff all the time i think i when i put something up or when i write something that i think is uh was maybe the inartful okay. um i think i'll I'll double down internally and think, no, I'm so tired. You know, what I'm, what I'm fighting against is surf industry conservatism. You know, that's mm-hmm. in my mind. That is, that is the, the windmill that I'm tilting at every day. And so when I fail, uh, but when I'm, you know, when I fail aiming at that, then I just force myself not to feel bad. Well, ah, whatever that person should have a temper but i'm i'm a i'm a genuine asshole too i mean <laughs> like i don't say that in a not an endearing one like i just yeah. don't because part of it though is i don't care what i would love i would invite people to write whatever they wanted to about me if it was if it was you know for some anything for some fun for some yeah. let's spar nobody spars the the entire surf right. world is a it's crickets i can go lob grenades all day long into people's houses and I can come home to my own house and it's not one grenade, which right. I'm just so confused about. Why not have fun? I know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get people it. People are sensitive, dude. People want to keep their jobs and they're sensitive. You I know? get. The, I get. I guess I get the surf industry wanting to keep jobs. Like that's something that I finally come to terms with. Is people don't want to rock the boat because this is it. This is their employer, and it's a it's a contracting industry. That's there's not there's not other jobs out there. You know, right. so you lose your team rep job because you said something. Uh, then you're then you're done. But on the media side, I'm I'm confused why the media doesn't go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Never, nobody ever ever mentions each other ever. You're launching grenades. I try at, at the inertia. Yeah, at I tr- Weisberg. I try. I try to really get any kind of response. And to me, that they just seem like they're they're lifeless. Right. Well, it, it again keeping jobs. Even though he created that job for himself, I think he's going. Hey, throw all the grenades you want. I get half a million clicks a month or whatever the number is for them, maybe more than that. So I don't really care about your grenades. Sure. And I I totally, like, I completely understand uh, his reasoning. What I guess I don't understand is we're still surfers at the end. And so you can't, we can't have fun like surfers still, like where there's a, there's a fun kind of banter that can happen. And again, maybe he doesn't think it's fun. Maybe he thinks it's mean spirited. And or he when, thinks it's jeopardizing his livelihood. Maybe, you know, I, I mean, but there's no way I'm jeopard. I mean, maybe I, I, would, don't know. I would hope, I would hope that I'm not that powerful. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> that I'm jeopardizing the inertia entirely. I would love to sink that piece of shit. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, I would love, I would love to bring it all down. Yeah. It is, it is the, I think I can say it is the worst website on the internet. It's worse than Breitbart. It's worse than whatever the Breitbart lefty version is. It's worse than it's worse than anything. Why? Because it, it's absolutely milk toast. It has no point of view, uh, and there's this kind of weird pan like, oh, we we celebrate all points of view, 
but they really don't. It's it's a, as curated as anything toward a specific goal, and not to admit it, not to admit that you're that you have an audience, and you're you know, it's it's all fine. Like I'm, I know Beach Grid has an audience. I know who they are, and I know where we're driving every day. To pretend that you don't, and you're the the definitive voice of Thinking Surfers or whatever their motto is, to me is just right. is to be absolutely ludicrous, and then and not to stand up for it. Like when I met with Zach recently. And we had a you know fun back and forth. You met with him, or when you encountered him? When I encountered him, okay. Yeah, okay. when I encountered him recently, uh, he was throwing his own some of his own riders under the bus, right? Like saying, "Well, we don't we don't support everything we put up on the inertia." That's and he was trying to make that sound like that was one of the good parts of it, right? Of like you know we put all different voices up here. Which means like if I wrote for you and you you were at a party saying I don't you didn't support your your riders or the people you put up. You'd be like, what kind of crappy thing is that? That's awful. Yeah. You as the editor of this thing or the founder of this thing, whether you agree or disagree is one thing. But but uh, like to distance yourself from things, if it goes up, then you should totally stand behind it. Right. I mean, to me. I yeah. don't know. I, 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 the lack of spine there is, yeah, there's just so many things about it that make me it, angry. It, it is a little bit, um, I don't know, unsettling or just kind of, it offends my sensibility in yeah. some way, that lack of a spine that you're talking about. But at the same time, I do recognize, like, oh, they are obviously pandering to the broadest base of this triangle. If we're all in a triangle of surfers and being involved in surf, interested in surfing, they're catering to the guy riding a soft top who bought it at Costco, who maybe actually lives away from the coast. Maybe he's in Arizona, but he comes out every summer and he surfs. And so when he's at work, in Arizona throughout the rest of the year he clicks on those articles do you and think runs. he does I bet he doesn't you know I think the I think the only people that the inertia get is Huffington Post readers and it's when the Huffington Post kind of kick something inertia e through because uh, they have those I think those like content sharing agreements with the Huffington Post where and so they'll get like a lot of aggregated viewers that way but I would be shocked if even the soft top guy from Arizona was typing in www.theinertia.com. I like. I don't think anybody cares about it. I it's literally think point. nobody cares about it. They just come up good. They have a great SEO search engine optimization. Yeah. They have good content sharing, and so they get clicks from other places. Nobody gives a shit about that and, site, though. And they are following that clickbait model. Sure. It's like the top five ways to improve your yeah, totally. No, they're they're your playing pop up or something. Pr- totally, you know? they're playing the game well, yeah. and their content. They're playing it well, and their content goes to a wider audience. But nobody, I've never met one surfer, never one kook surfer, True. never one hardcore, never one surfer who went to the inertia or liked it. It's a very good point. Um, one area of surfing that I really want to discuss, and I'm not even sure how to discuss it, is women's surfing. And I did send you this note, but I'm going to kind of go over it real quick for listeners. <sighs> The reality is we can't ever have a real conversation about women surfing because we end up getting labeled as misogynist or sexist or whatever. But the other reality is when they ran the the event at Jaws, um, the women got smashed. And we just saw the final of the Fiji, OK, Fiji Pro, where Courtney Conlog and Tatiana Weston-Webb surfed 8 to 10 foot cloud break in the morning and they got smashed and Courtney won the event with an 8.74 heat total neither of them made a barrel and it's like all that the commentators um, say is oh these women are so brave and I agree with them they are brave but they're not making barrels and they're not even really doing 
turns. They're just surviving a wave. And so it's okay to say they're brave, but let's call a spade a spade and be like, wow, that was a disappointing heat. Nobody even got a 10-point total. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, I don't know what the conversation is. I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. I just want to be able to have the conversation. See, so to me, part of the part of the problem is right is you have like these weird random times scattered throughout not even the year, but scattered throughout like a few years. Where so take for example the women out of Jaws and then the women out of Cloudbreak. It's not like they're out surfing cloud. I mean, they can surf Cloudbreak, I guess, all they want, but it's not like there's a competition there and big Cloudbreak for them ever. And it's not like there's a competition at Jaws. So they'll throw these women out. I feel to the wolves in these either specialty events like Jaws where they'll just toss them out there um, or Cloud Break where all of a sudden they'll announce, you know, okay, hey, wait, well, there's swell coming. We're going to wait for the, you know, instead of finishing the day that they should have, frankly, finished it on, uh, had run up to that point, right? And, yeah. and so you're going to, you know, and, and I get it, swell's coming and that's all great. But if you want the women to surf in great, in good cloud break then give them their whole event a time when the guys aren't there at good cloud break right let them go out there let them train let them i have no doubt that uh you know i know bethany can surf amazing and and you know big surf and for sure those girls if if that was if that's what they were supposed to do if that's the way their tour was geared their tour is not geared at all towards that right they're right. they're never in any surf like that i mean the cloud break is the only wave on their schedule that's that's even remotely kind of throaty, right? I mean, Honolulu, Hon- but Honolulu could is, be argued, I, but, it, but, but it's not. It's a, not the same. No, no, it's not the yeah. same as it's not the same as as you know, eight to ten foot cloud break. Nothing yeah. is, and so throwing them out there for the and, and expecting them to, I think, succeed, even though nothing in their entire world is is geared toward that. To me, is it, it the fault lays with the WSL on that particular one, and I. I firmly, firmly believe that the women need their own tour that's not connected at all to the men's tour. And I know that, uh, you know, the logistics and the carrying web gear and whatever, but fucking figure it out. Like, where, so figure out which waves, you know, are best geared toward the kind of surfing, not only the women are doing now, but also the kind of surfing they should be doing. Yeah. Make it five events, right? But really treat the women's tour with seriousness. And I don't think it's treated with serious. I think it's still, like, what they've done is make a WNBA, uh, I feel, like the Women's Basketball Association, where it's a total, I mean, I guess the WNBA is kind of a going concern now, but it's kind of an afterthought uh, of this derivative of this men's thing, where I think, I don't know why surfing... Uh, couldn't be like gymnastics, right? Where I think more people watch women's gymnastics than men's gymnastics when sure. it comes to the Olympics. And they also have different disciplines, right? The men yeah. do the Iron Cross or whatever on the rings, uh, strengthy stuff, while the women do, you know, floor dancing or whatever, pl- plus all the all the athletic stuff they do on the women's gymnastics side. But I, I just, I think zero thought is given into what women's tr- surfing should be. And that's a, I, and I'm sure... I'm sure there's been something. I'm sure they have roundtable discussions and, and really try to figure it out. But it, it sure doesn't come across like they're thinking about yeah. it very much. It seems like a total throwaway. So I, I, I'm i going to take a counterpoint. I disagree with you on a couple of things. Number one, I don't think it's the WSL's fault necessarily because I feel like they are trying to navigate it and like at once not patronize the women by what you're saying, giving them their own tour, and then like, well, let's just let them go surf 
lowers where it's a great showcasing of their ability and let's keep them away from pipeline they they've done that in the past and they do it a little bit but now they're seeing opportunities where like hey there is a legitimate swell coming these women have proven themselves in other swells in past Fiji's events so let's actually let them rise to the occasion hold off the final until the men's waiting period and let them run in good good surf they've proven themselves up until this point let's allow them to showcase it the problem is they faltered you know so now the wsl goes well what do we do at the jaws event two women went to the hospital sure can we very well put them back out there yeah i mean i think i think jaws is is a weird anomaly just because it's jaws i mean it's like i can't i feel i can't speak to jaws as well but cloud break i feel if they would have run the whole women's event if they would have run the whole thing in eight to ten cloud break sure i think some women would have would have failed but some would have totally i think we would have we would have seen amazing barrels like the fact that our sample size was so small it was it was toddy and yeah, uh Courtney. Courtney going in cold to this morning one heat right like and it they, was a shifty day it totally, was challenging totally and they hadn't had a chance to sit and watch it i mean i'm sure they'd been surfing the last couple of days but i mean it was it in, was cold yeah yeah it was they went in cold where so start like have an event at fiji where you're not you're not splitting a waiting period with the men right where you have your own window and you know i mean i have no i just have no doubt there's nothing i've seen that makes me think that Jaws aside, right? I don't know about Jaws, yeah. but uh, that the woman, like lots of the women on that tour, couldn't wouldn't have done. You know, we would have we would have seen a real show if we would have seen the whole crew out there at eight yeah. to ten eight to ten cloud break. I guess so. While you said you blame the WSL, I'm going to blame the girls. Like I'm going to blame Courtney and Tati because the real deal is look at footage of Rochelle Ballard in 1998. She was getting shacked out there yeah. and doing turns. Like she, that surfing would have won the event this year. Kiala Kenley, look at the waves that she's charged. You know what I mean? So I'm going, you guys, get your act together. What are you doing? You're behind the curve. Now I say that knowing that the best wave ever surfed at J Bay was Tom Curran in 1982 on the very first wave that he caught ever at J Bay, and nobody's ever surpassed that again. So I know that like that does take place regardless of what area of surfing you're talking about. But still, I kind of look at that and I go, Court, what were you doing? You got straight smashed on a few waves out there. But I, you, I, you got, I mean, I still wonder though, how many times, how many, like nothing in there, whole, you know, <clears throat> and maybe it's not the WSL's fault. You're right. Like it's, uh, but how many times in the, uh, does Courtney or Tatiana through the year have to actually surf waves like that? They don't. They don't do it for photo it's shoots. Come upon them to go find them. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Okay, it's the girls' fault. Girls like Kelly goes to Tahiti or to J Bay or Cloud Break. That's sure. what we're talking about. Kelly goes to Fiji four or five times a year when there's no event there, chasing the swell. And okay. I know I know Tyler's done that there actually. Sure. Well, that's the thing too, right? Like, I wonder if that it was just a bad sample. Like, if if Tati and Courtney was. are not the girls who do that. Uh, but but I feel that you know I think that Coco Ho might have had fun out there. And Sally's some, done well. Yeah, and precisely, out there. precisely. Where it was just a, it just so happened that those were the girls that made the final in you know not super small, but you know playful cloud break. But those were the girls who did well there. Yeah. Uh, and typically, you know, it's not going to be necessarily the the girls who would, you know, it just yeah. did work. Well, I think you're right, though. It was a bad, a poor sample, period. Like, that is really what happened at that event. I hate to paint them with, like, a full 
brush. Because watching, watching, I watched more, I think, because it wasn't during the men's waiting period or yeah. whatever. It didn't seem like an afterthought. I watched more of that uh, event, the women's event, you know, than I, than I have watched for the last two years, probably, of the women's surfing. Hmm. And to me, there's, like, it was fun. I had, I had a super enjoyable time. Like, I watched it because I wanted to, not because I felt like I was being forced to. Right. Which sometimes, you know, when, when they'll click from the guys to the girls. Uh, there's such a disparity. Yeah, and it's just like, uh, yeah. and they're like, I'll just click it off. Yeah, uh, exactly. But there's watching the girls in their own. It just made me think that if they had their own tour, if their if their skill wouldn't really flourish, uh, and then everyone would you know be winners, right? We would get a whole other kind of surfing to watch. <clears throat> I just, I just, I still feel that they're forcing. And what do I know? I don't. I know nothing. But it feels like they're trying to force themselves into a a male kind of box a male way to surf and i still would love to see what's female surfing right well stephanie gilmore is. yeah well and lisa anderson is too right like when i watch clips of lisa surfing i don't feel even though lisa i know modeled modeled herself off of pots and current and these guys she took them and made it feminine where when i look at a lot of the surfing girls these i don't feel a femininity like i see them as feminine right like they're beautiful and you know yeah they're they're physically feminine, but the way they surf isn't feminine. It's rough. It's kind of into the lip, and yeah. you know, all like there's nothing there's nothing graceful. Well, so I I agree with you completely, and I think the two uh, the dichotomy there is Courtney Conlog. I feel like surfs models her surfing after the male side of the tour. Steph Gilmore on the other side of the spectrum is completely doing her own thing playing jazz. And it's freaking amazing. It's oftentimes more enjoyable than a lot of the male stuff. And that's what I'm saying. Like I think again, I've been I've been stuck in a in a box watching Lisa Anderson surf pretty much on loop for the last, you know, couple months. And I would rather watch Lisa Anderson surf than uh, you know, a, a whole ton of the guys. Right. I know we're pressed for time. Um, what time do you actually have to leave? How many minutes do we got? Like five. Okay. Let's close with what you were just talking about. Um, why are you spending so much time watching Lisa Anderson surf? So I'm directing uh, Lisa Anderson's kind of bio documentary called Trouble. It'll be out. or We'll screen it sometime in July. I think around the U.S. Open we'll screen or have a screener. Um, but then, yeah, it's a, a festival film. So Why is it called Trouble? Trouble. Trouble was Lisa's nickname. Uh, growing up, she's a runaway. Yeah, Lisa's story is is absolutely epic to me. It's one of the it's one of the most or more interesting surf stories. Uh, not only what she did as a woman, um, but what she did just as you know as a surfer. Like what she uh, sacrificed to surf is it's beautiful. I mean, her her story is just great. So I'm ex- um, feel honored that that I'm in the kind of driver's seat of telling it. Who knew you were a film director, dude? I'm a film director. I'm a director of films. So your um, your first film was J- uh, Jamie O'Brien's Who is J-O-B? Yep, Who is J-O-B. Not the TV one, but the, the actual film. The first one. Yeah, the first one. And how did you get into that? I'd worked with Jamie in the past on some stuff, uh, some writing stuff, and it, it, like a little bit with the social media way forever ago. Uh, and then I had moved to Australia um, and Jamie, I think, was like deep into his film at that, or you know, he'd been filming for three years, but they had no story. So he called me and just said, "Hey, I need, I need help. Would you come direct it?" So I, he reached out to you just because of your writing background, because or? he and I had done some stuff together, and I think he just wasn't finding. 
the right. He was, you know, I mean, I I'd lived with him out on the North Shore for a while and stuff, like, or spent, I'd spent plenty of time with him, like weeks, weeks with him. Um, and yeah, I think he just wasn't finding, he had all this footage, this, you know, I mean, they filmed, I think it was like three years, you know, and so every clip basically was an A plus clip. They right. just had no way of putting it together that that wasn't just A plus clip after A plus clip. Right. So yeah, so I came in and worked with Dayton, the uh, editor, and you know, I mean, yeah, when I showed up, there was literally just stacks of footage, and so we stitched it together and made a film. Um, do you have an editing background or anything, or is it more just oversight? Zero. Yeah, okay. I I can't you know move a frame or pick a song. I just sit there and and kind of work with the editor and okay let's you know here's the story right like to me it's all all these movies are story um which is what typically is missing from surf film in general or you know even broader uh sports docs like i think hbo does some good ones but Mm -hmm. generally they're just the talking head you know people other people saying how amazing this one person was and how much they changed the world forever and ever amen and just hyperbole and where I, th- I feel that sports doc has gone to such a place of hyperbole where you can't say anything anymore because right. everything, every single moment was a life changing, earth shattering, you know, ridiculous moment. Um, and so with Lisa's film, uh, you know, a- as kind of a, just a storyteller, that, it, that's boring to me to, to be hyperbole. I want hers to be quiet. I want it to be soft. I want it to be a person as they're generally or genuinely struggling with their own life. Um, both, you know, having lived it and also trying to recall what it felt like at the moment. And there's something, I don't know, there's something quiet and beautiful about, I, do, I love, I love her voice. I love the way her voice sounds. And so I just want her narrating, you know, I want her narrating her life and I don't want other people weighing in on it on film. So it's Lisa through interviews, narrating her story with archival footage, with new footage. Uh, it'll be a, a mix of archival and new, but, okay. but the bulk of it will be archival. Okay, fascinating. And um, what's the runtime going to be like? Sixty minutes? Yeah, it'll be sixty. Okay. Yeah, just shoot for it. What are your ambitions as a filmmaker moving forward? Do you have any, or is it just project by project? No, yeah, I have zero ambitions for film. Uh, I, you know, unfortunately, I like to write, um, but I love watching. I watch, you know, I watch way more than I read, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and just the way, you know, TV, and I mean, I just think it's obviously a cliche to say but the golden age of of you know of television really or yeah, or, or of you know any all different kinds of formats of, of moving pictures um so i would yeah i mean maybe i should aim to get more into it i think it is television specifically like television is in a renaissance that's amazing right now just because of the platforms um so then are you working on any writing right now and what are you working on i just finished cocaine plus surfing love story which is the follow-up to Welcome to Paradise. So I finished it May 1st. It's at the publisher, so I don't know. Yeah, it gutted me. It was a hard one to write. Can you give us a quick synopsis? Oh, I mean, it started It started as the kind of shared history that cocaine and surfing have, uh, which I, t- I tied back to the Peruvian surfers in whenever it was, 3000 B.C. And, yeah, you know, and cocaine, or the coca bush, I think was the, the earliest... Uh, Cocoa Bush, Cocoa Bush ever discovered was almost the exact same time that the Peruvians started surfing. So that surfers have loved their cocaine from the dawn of time, uh, and, and I kind of weave the histories together. But as the as the book goes, 
it almost becomes more or a thread of it is my own frustration with my own life like why the hell am I still writing I'm a 40 year old man and I'm writing about surf like what went wrong in my life (laughs) that this is where I'm at and so dealing with you know just surf culture it's I guess it's if it's if I succeeded uh, it's a picture of California surf culture in the way that Welcome to Paradise was a a brief snapshot of Hawaiian surf culture amazing All right, I'm looking forward to it oh Go pick up your kid, dude. (laughs) Go on. Thank you so much. (laughs) Right on, dude. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Right on. Thank you very much, Chaz Smith. Always a blast to see you and to get together with you. Listeners, if you want to know more about Chaz Smith, episode number 72 of this show, Surf Splendor, um, was a straight-up hour-long interview with Chaz detailing his history as a war correspondent, uh, a lot of stories out of his book, Welcome to Paradise, Now Go From Hell. So check that episode out. And then there was a second episode. It's episode number 111, which was with Chaz and then his partner in Beach Grit, Derek Riley, also a co-founder of Stab Magazine. So um, Derek's a super interesting dude. So you should check out that episode as well just to hear more from them if you enjoyed this one. And Chaz and I will be back together again to um, bring you more stories from Beach Grit. Make sure to follow beachgrit.com. And then, of course, Chaz's personal Instagram, which is great, um, is reports from hell, at reports from hell. And then I'll link to all of that stuff on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And everything that Chaz and I discussed in this episode is also there. And at Surf Splendor on Instagram. And then make sure, of course, to share the show with friends. If you enjoyed this, if you found any of it valuable at all, share it with friends. That's how we keep this show growing. I will continue to produce content if you continue to help us grow the audience. Thank you very much. And then, of course, we have a PayPal donation set up on surfsplendorpodcast.com if you would like to uh, do a $5 monthly donation. That really does help this show. Um, recently invested in some new equipment and all that sort of stuff. So that's all the business that I have for now. Um, I'll be back next week with an episode of Spit with Scott Bass and actually additionally an episode of Shaping Surfing with Jeff McCallum, surfboard shaper Jeff McCallum. So look forward to that. Until then, this is David Scales signing off and uh, just reminding you, In between listening to podcasts and watching the Fiji Pro, make sure that you get back in the ocean, get a couple of waves, and shred on.